0: Would you stand, if you're able, for just a moment? We're going to be in reading in 2 Kings 19. I'm going to read some verses. We're going to jump through a few. And so just kind of hang there with me, if you will. In chapter 19 of 2 Kings, uh, we meet up with a man named Hezekiah here. And he is the king in their day. And it says in verse 3, And they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and blasphemy. For the children are come to the birth, and there is not strength to bring forth. In verse 4, It may be the Lord thy God will hear all the words of Rabshakeh, whom the king of Assyria, his master, hath sent to reproach the living God, and will reprove the words which the Lord thy God hath heard. Wherefore, lift up thy prayer for the remnant that are left. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah. And Isaiah said unto them, Thus shall ye say to your master, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words which thou hast heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear a rumor, and shall return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword of his own land. Jump to verse 13, if you will, with me. In verse 13, Where is the king of Hamath, and the king of Arpad, and the king of the city of... Of Sepharviam, of Hena, and Iva. And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, for all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib which hath sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. Then Isaiah the son of Amos sent to Hezekiah Saying, "Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, that which thou hast prayed to me against the king of Assyria, I have heard." You may be seated. You know there are times when bad things enter into the lives of good people, <laughs> and I'm going to show you. King Hezekiah was a good guy. He was a good man, and God saw fit to speak some things about him in the previous chapter that I want to reveal to you through the reading of the Word of God. And here's a man who loved the Lord and wanted the people to love God, and he encouraged them in every way that he possibly could to walk with the Lord. If you go back over to chapter 18, I want to read a few verses to you here. And it uh, speaks of who Hezekiah is and where he came from. And beginning in verse 3, it says, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father did. One of the things that King Hezekiah was noted for is he did all that which was right in the sight of the Lord. I mean, that is quite a saying about an individual, and it's written in God's Word in the Scriptures. He did all that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And then in verse 4, it tells us kind of what he did. And he says, he removed the high places and break down the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces, the brazen serpent that Moses had made, for unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehustan. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he clave to the Lord, and departed, from following, uh, not, uh, he, and departed not from following him, but kept his commandment, which the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him. And he prospered whithersoever he went forth, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria, and served him not. If you jump down, it goes on and shares a few things, but in verse 12 it says, Because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant, and all that Moses the servant of the Lord commanded, and would not hear them, nor do them. Some things began to happen over there, and God used Hezekiah to tear down all these idols, And as we look at this, he removed those high places, and God said the Lord was with him, and he prospered him whithersoever he went. This is a man that loved God, and he loved all the ways of the Lord, and he tried to lead the nation back to the Father. And by the way, as we look at this, we'll understand this truth. There is always going to be the enemies of God, always going to be the enemies of God. And so in this particular case, King Hezekiah was coming up against these enemies, and, and what I see here is when they came and it can come in the form in our day as it was in, in uh, Hezekiah's day, it could come in the form of the world, it can come in the form of the flesh, it can come in the form of Satan. And God allowed this to enter into their lives and he says, here's the reason why, because you're getting away from me and yet King Hezekiah is trying to bring them back to God. And the people wanted to walk away from God. King Hezekiah is encouraging them to walk with the Lord. And so we see a man who kind of stuck to his guns. And what I I, I want to challenge us with is this thought this morning. In your times of trouble, (laughs) are you willing to just turn back to the world and ask the world its philosophy about how you should handle something? Are you willing in your day of trouble to turn your heart over to the Lord and say, God, what wilt thou have me to do? And a lot of times we turn to the world first to solve our problems, or we turn to that internal man and try to use our human thinking, uh, our human philosophies. We try to kind of reason through it our own ways. We try to fight a battle that God had never intended for us to fight. And rarely, rarely, even as believers, do we at times really come to the place where we're saying, God, this is not my fight, this is not my battle, this belongs to you, this has entered into my life, and you know you haven't done anything to create this environment or do this thing, and believe me, King Hezekiah personally had not done anything because God prospered him, God did some things in this man's life, this man was walking with God, yet there was trouble embarking upon that place, and the people were not walking with God as they should, and God allowed some things to start to enter into their lives. (laughs) And trouble was coming. And as the trouble came, I challenge you when trouble enters into your life, what or who do you turn to in your day of trouble? So we look here, God's Word says in Exodus, He says, The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. How many of us actually hold to that truth? (laughs) You think, I'm putting up my dukes and I'm going to lay them out. Not these dukes, but I'm putting up my dukes, right? (laughs) And I'm going to lay this person out. I am going to. I'm. Gonna, I'm going to tell you. What, I'm going to tell them exactly what's on my mind. I'm going to speak to them in such a way. I am getting ready to put them in their place. How many had raised their hand this morning and say I'm guilty? You don't have to do it. <laughs> I'm guilty of that. I'm in charge. Amen. I'm going to say this. I'm going to tell you right now where you stand with me. And I'm going to let you have it. That's what I'm going to do. And we come in with some preconceived notions about how we're even going to behave before it ever occurs. Just say amen right there. Amen? Amen. We do that. And we come in with preconceived notions knowing how we're actually going to behave before we even arrive sometimes. (laughs) And here we have this man in his time of trouble, in his day of trouble, It says that he went to the man of God first, and then he went into the house of the Lord, and he did what? Spread it before the Lord. I want you to get that in your head this morning. How many of the things that you go through do you spread it before the Lord before you decide how you're going to fight that battle? A day of trouble. So King Hezekiah was faced with some extreme circumstances, and clearly he had a day of trouble coming. The thing that happens is when a day of trouble comes, how many of you would say, you know, I've been there. (laughs) I've been in that day of trouble. How many of you would admit this morning in your days of trouble, in your times of trouble, you begin to doubt God? You begin to doubt what God's capable of doing. You begin to doubt whether he's going to help you or not. You begin to doubt him. And listen, what started to happen? The people and the enemy wanted Hezekiah to start doubting God. Now, the man Isaiah said, hey, let me just tell you something. (laughs) It's going to be a little bit different here. And so what he chose to do, rather than doubt God, was to take that thing in. And by the way, we have an altar here for some of that stuff. We have an altar at our homes, I would hope. And we can come to God and tell him, Lord, this is my trouble. And I need your help. I don't know how to think. I don't know how to act, I don't know what to say, I don't know how to go about it, I don't know what I'm going to do to fix it. <laughs> Anybody ever been in those shoes? Yeah. And we need to turn to God in those times. So we look at King Hezekiah as our example. A day of trouble. When I look at this, some days are better than others, amen? Are they not? Some days are better than others. I get up some days and I'm thinking, I feel so productive today, <laughs> Everybody, anybody ever have those days? Man, you feel great, and man, you feel like things are just kind of going your way, and you're excited, and all that wonderful stuff. And then you have those days where you wake up and you think, man, I'd rather just go back to bed. Uh-huh. Now, I know I'm the only one that that happens to in here. Oh, no. But I'm sharing with you, this was not a good day for King Hezekiah nor the people of Judah, and there are those days that seemingly start off normal even sometimes, and then they escalate. How many of you have had those days? Starts off well, but by the end of the day you're thinking, man, what happened? I mean, this started off so good. And now look at where we are, and I've been there. And there are those days that come, and it's not necessarily even you starting trouble, it's not you causing or creating the situation, but trouble enters into your life. Difficult times enter into your life, and, and trouble comes to you, and the scriptures use both the Old and New Testament to tell us some things, and the one thing that I've already shared with you out of Exodus fourteen fourteen. sometimes we want to start fighting the battle, and yet the Lord said in the scriptures, the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Now, I want to tell you, in the day of Moses, when, that, when those words were spoken, there was some trouble in Moses' life, Amen? He was up against the Red Sea, and here comes the Egyptian army, and they're coming after him. And the thing of it is, as Moses said, the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And I'm thinking, no, we're all going to die. We're right up against the Red Sea. In 2 Chronicles 20, 17, ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord is with you. Sometimes we don't want to stop for a moment. We just feel like we have to keep forging ahead, or it's just not going to get fixed. It's just not going to happen. It's not, we're not going to be able to overcome this. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I got to get this done. I have to do this. I have to make this happen. I got to make all of these things occur. And if these don't happen in this order and then this line, and now, oh man, it's going to be a mess if I don't do this. And yet he said, stand still. Just stop for a minute. (laughs) Seek out the Lord sometimes. Slow down. He said in Romans 12, 19, and this is where we get with our anger sometimes. The Bible says, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place under wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. And we say, nope, that's going out of my Bible. (laughs) Vengeance is mine. I will repay, you just ask me. I'm going to take care of this one. Lord, step aside. Get out of my way because I'm about to take care of this one. Because vengeance is mine, Lord. I will repay, saith Bob. I'm going to get this thing taken care of. And we have an attitude. Now, none of us would say it that way. And you'd say, well, preacher, I don't talk like that. I'm going to tell you, we get inside our own heads sometimes. It's a scary place to hang out. Sometimes we think thoughts we ought not be thinking. We behave in a manner that we ought not behave right in here. And then what happens is that manifests itself outwardly sometimes, doesn't it? And we get to that place. When the day of trouble comes, are you too busy planning your battle strategy instead of giving it over to the Lord? How many of you are too busy planning your battle strategy instead of talking to God? I got this thing figured out. I'm going to tell you this, co-worker. (laughs) When I get to work, let me tell you what's going down. I got this thing taken care of. God, move out of the way. I'm about to let him have it. And that's really what we're saying. Now, we wouldn't say it that way, but in essence, our actions, or our attitude, and our spirit would clearly define it that way. And yet, I want to challenge you in this thought. Don't get so busy planning your battle strategy without asking the Lord, Lord, what is the strategy here? What is it that I should do? How should I behave, Lord? We become so fearful of others' words that we do not trust the Lord in our times of trouble. We get to that place or where we don't trust God's word anymore. We're going to trust what we believe or what we think or what we perceive to be the situation or what we think we know and we act upon it in such a fashion. Isaiah told the men, be not afraid of the words you heard. And I believe this implies one thing. The message is fear the Lord, not men. I believe that's the implied message. Fear the Lord, not man. So often we fear what men might do and forget who God is. And if the Lord said, the Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. If he said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. If he said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Do you believe God in your times of trouble? Do you trust him? 1 Corinthians 2.5 says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I want to tell you what we are as we're human beings. That word man, it's neuter, it's neutral. It means men or women. It means mankind, if you will. And here it is. The Bible says that our faith should not stand in the wisdom of what? Men, but in the power of whom? God. Our wisdom should be his wisdom. So I want to find out, God, what is it that you would have me to do in this situation? How would you want me to handle it? How many of you know the verse in Jeremiah 33:3? Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. Thou knowest what? not. There's some things God can do that if you'll just give it over to him, you'd be amazed at what God will accomplish. Yet we want to take control, don't we? We want to have the reins. We want to hold tight. We have the answer. We can fix this. I've got this. Lord, get out of my way. I've got this thing. What battle are you facing right now that you have insisted you're going to fix it? You have insisted that I got this. You have insisted that I don't need God. I need to figure this thing out. I need to fix this. And whatever that battle might be, I'm saying, why don't you just stop for a moment, stand still, spread it out before the Lord, lift it up to God, and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? You see, sometimes when we don't call, consult with God, what happens is doubt starts to enter in. And believe me, there's doubters all around us. I've asked people at times, I might have an issue or problem, I forget to pray about it, I might ask somebody, and say, man, I don't know what you're going to do, man, that's just terrible. When our church flooded the first time down in Colonial Beach, this man who was a pastor was a friend of mine. His words out of his mouth when he came down to Colonial Beach is, Man, you ought to just shut this place down, close up the doors, and come up here and be with us. Oh. (laughs) Hey, thanks. Because there's a group of people down here that want a local church. Now, I want to challenge you on something. Sometimes men will get you to doubt what God's trying to accomplish. Sometimes men will try to get you to doubt what God wants to show you how he can overcome it. (laughs) Sometimes men want you to doubt what God's trying to do. Now, I want to tell you, there were some doubters here. Look at chapter 19, and in verses 8 through 12. He says, so Rabcheke returned and found uh, uh, the king of Assyria warring against Libna, for he had heard that he was departed from Lakish. and when he had, uh, he had heard say of uh, Terhaka, king of Ethiopia, being Uh, Behold, he is come out to fight against there. uh, He sent messengers again unto Hezekiah, saying, Thus shall ye speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Let not thy God, in whom thou trustest, deceive thee, saying, Jerusalem shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, thou hast heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands by destroying them utterly, and shalt thou be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them? Uh, why, uh, which my fathers have destroyed at Gozen, at Haran, and Resde, uh, Reza, and, and the children of Eden, w- which were in Thelazar. What's happening? The doubter, isn't it? You really think your God is going to help you with this? Have you not seen what we've already done? Have you not seen what we've already accomplished? Have you not seen who we've destroyed? Have you not watched this? Are you not aware of these things? Have you not watched Fox or ABC or NBC or CNN? Have you not caught on to this thing? Have you not figured out who we are? What's he doing? Trying to cause doubt. Doubting. You know, when the Lord is your leader, there should not be any uncertainty in your decisions. You say, really? Yeah. I mean, I look back in the scriptures. I see somebody that flipped the fleece a couple of times, and God still followed through, didn't he? Amen. Amen? He flipped the fleece, and God said, get out there and do what I told you to do. <laughs> I see times in the scriptures where men doubted God, and God held to his word. And he used men that would have faith in God. How many of you know Caleb in the scriptures who prayed and believed that that mountain was going to be his? And God gave that mountain to him at a later date in his life, but God still gave him the mountain, didn't he? And here's the thing. Man wants us to doubt God. Hey, ten were bad and two were what? Good. Good. (laughs) Ten went in and said, Ain't no way this is happening, man. We're in trouble. And two came back and said, God told us, we got this. Now, as we look at the scriptures, the flesh, the world, and Satan are real enemies, and God, the God of heaven, says wait, don't doubt the work of the Lord. Don't doubt me. I want you to have faith in God. As I look to the Scriptures, we're always going to those that have have those battles instead of saying, I want to talk to the God who overcomes those battles rather than just talk to the people who have those battles. (laughs) And, And what we ought to do is turn to the Lord. We're always going to have those that come up against us. There's going to be these men... Uh, there are going to be God-haters, there's going to be doubters, there's going to be people that want to lead you astray, and God says, listen, I don't want you to doubt. Let me ask you something. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you believe that today, say amen. amen. The same God that said that, said, cast all of your care upon me, for I careth for you. The same God that said, I'll save you, said, I care about you. That's wonderful, isn't it? We believe that he can take our soul to heaven, but we don't believe in casting all of our care upon him. And we don't believe at that time, if we don't cast all of our care upon him, you obviously don't believe that he cares for you. Because if I did, I would cast all of my care upon him. For he cares for me. He knows me. I see this. There are those God-haters. There's those doubters. There's people that get led astray by the ways of the world. And faith is such an important factor in the life of the Christian and salvation in our walk. Listen, folks. If He can save my soul, He can help me overcome my financial problem. If He can save my soul, He can fix a marriage problem that I have. If He can save my soul, He can help me with my wayward child. If He can save my soul, He can help me with my physical illness. If He can save my soul, He can help me with that co-worker. If He can save my soul, the God that can take my soul to heaven is the God that can help repair whatever is going on in my life. He's the same God. He's the one that split the Red Sea. (laughs) Amen? The last time I read my Bible, he created the heavens and the earth and all that is in it. And I'm saying to you, that is the God through salvation in Jesus Christ that you have access to. Amen. Amen? Amen? And he doesn't want us to doubt him. We judge what God will do for us based on who we are rather than who he is. How many of you would agree with that? (laughs) We base what God can do for us based on who we are rather than who he is. Mm -hmm. We look to him that he is who we are. (laughs) I have to laugh. I am so weak and feeble-minded at times. And when I rely on him, I'm amazed at the things that he is able to do. And what it is, is we want to rely on ourselves rather than the one that created the heavens and the earth. And I say to myself, how in the world, Robert, would you ever do that? Why would you do that? Why would you count on you rather than him? You know, we're always looking for answers in the world and never receive the truth of Christ and his word. You know, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 7, uh, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Right, Brother (laughs) Deuce? He was talking to me the other day. He's the one that said that. I just wrote it down. I told him I wasn't going to give him credit for it. Because you know, preachers, they steal each other's messages, right? He said, Pastor, one of the hardest things is is when I go out and I knock on these doors, he said, they want the answers, but they don't want to know the truth. We want the answers, but we don't want to do it according to the truth. We want what God says, but we don't want to do what God says. (laughs) You know, it does matter who you are and where you've been and what you've done. But in God's eyes, it doesn't matter. (laughs) And I say, we need to live a life for Christ and we need to do everything we can for God. But your past is not as important as your present life with Christ. (laughs) And the answers are found in the scriptures. The answer is God. When I look at this, do not doubt the Lord. Hey, think about this. Stop your doubting. I I think about this. We we don't even believe that we can even start over sometimes. There's some people that we've knocked on their doors and they don't believe they have the ability to start over again. They think they can't. And I want to give them the encouragement that they can, through the power of God, start over. God can change your direction. You don't have to remain what you were. You can become what God desires for you to be. You can be exactly what God desires for you to be. And you can do it by the power of God. When I look at this, we have to stop doubting who he is and what he's done it gives us a fresh start. If you if you get saved, it doesn't eradicate the past if you will in the sense of if I've stolen and I have to repay or if, If I've committed some crime that I might have to spend time in jail, or if I got a a traffic ticket before I got saved, it doesn't mean that after I'm saved I don't have to pay it. There's still some consequences, amen? But the reality is, is that once you get to that line in the sand and Christ saves you, you can start sowing seed that is good, (laughs) And as you sow that good seed, those things get further and further from you. And it doesn't mean you don't take care of them and say, well, I'm saved now, I don't have to pay my bills. (laughs) Well, I'm saved now, I don't have to pay that fine. Well, I'm saved now, and I don't have to do this. And And you think to yourself, no, 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 no. You're going to start sowing good seed. You're going to pay those bills. You're going to handle those consequences. You're going to take care of those things. And now you're not alone. You're able to do it by the power of God. (laughs) God's walking with you now. He's in you. If you're saved, He resides inside your body. Amen. <laughs> He's in you. And so God says, I have this power. And here's what He tells us in Mark 11 22 through 24. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Not faith in yourselves, that your, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. King Hezekiah was not. Counting on himself. He was counting on God to help them overcome this situation. He was counting on God to do this. He says in that passage, He said, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. This is not about consuming things upon your own lust. <laughs> this is about praying by the power of God to help us overcome situations. Have faith in God. He told us over in Hebrews eleven six. he says, but without faith, it is impossible to do something. What is it impossible to do? You can't please God. Without faith it is impossible to please him. When you look at these scriptures and you see this, he says then in that same passage, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that do what? Diligently seek him. God said, come to me. No matter what's going on, come to me. He told me in the scriptures, he said, peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth I give unto you, but peace that he provides is very different than what the world's talking about. And even in the hard, trying times, there is a peace that could come over us. There is a peace that he provides. You know, we were memorizing Philippians 4, 6. And and, and as you look at that passage, he said, be careful for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication. Notice this, with thanksgiving. It hadn't happened yet. (laughs) It hadn't happened yet. You're asking God, and he said, do it with thanksgiving. And let your request be made known unto God. And notice this, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding, verse 7, shall keep your hearts and minds, but it's through somebody. Who is it? Jesus is going to take care of that. Jesus is going to take care of that. So when I come to the Scriptures and I look at this, we see the work of the doubters. But King Hezekiah battled the doubters, is unwavering faith in his unwavering faith in the word of God. Turn to chapter 18 real quick again. Verse 28 of chapter 18. Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and spake, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us, and the city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus saith the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me by a present, and come out to me, and then eat ye every man of his own vine, and every one of his own fig, and, and drink ye every one of the waters of the cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of corn and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of all oil, oil, olive and of honey, that you may live and not die. And hearken not unto Hezekiah when he persuadeth you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. <laughs> What's he doing? He's trying to get the people to doubt the leadership. And he's trying to get them to doubt God. And there are people in this world will, who will do both. And they're after getting you to doubt leadership, and they're after you to get to doubting who God is. Oh, in this case, it was a terrible situation. And your faith is displayed when, in the most difficult times, you go to the Lord. You know, the world will tell you, i oh, just suck it up, you'll be all right. <laughs> God doesn't say that. God said, turn that over to me. Come and talk to me. Come and come, come spend some time with me. Let, let, let's discuss this. Let, let me speak to your heart about your situation. The doubters and the doubt comes. They want to attack the Lord. They want to attack his people. They want to attack his word. And then I ask you this, where are you going to stand the next time that trouble enters into your life? What are you going to do about it? You see, you may be sitting here today and you're not saved. What that means is you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. (coughs) And you may think, I got this, I'll get this figured out, and and I've got time. I want to tell you, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's only one way to get into heaven. (laughs) Amen? Amen. And it tells us that we're saved through faith in Christ, not in ourselves. You see, it's a gift of God. For the wages of our sin is what? Death. Death, isn't it? But the gift of God is what? Eternal life. But it's through Jesus Christ our Lord. You ain't getting it any other way. That's Pennsylvania for you. You ain't getting it. (laughs) There's no other way you're going to get into heaven. There is only one way to get to heaven. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to do enough good things. You're not going to light enough candles. You're not going to say enough prayers. (laughs) You are not going to be able to get baptized to get into heaven. You are getting into heaven by one way. His name is Jesus. (laughs) Amen? Amen. So if you're in a day of trouble, that day of trouble is is that if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, the only way you're getting out of trouble from eternal hell to get to eternal heaven, you're going to have to trust Jesus. (laughs) Second thing is this. If you have trouble right now in your life, whatever it is, whether it is those finances, whether it is that physical illness, whether it is... Uh, some other trouble that's entered into your life. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Maybe your situation at work is rough. Maybe some things are going on. And I'm here to tell you this morning, the only way you're going to overcome it is through Jesus. (laughs) You have to turn to him. Where do you turn in difficult times? Being willing to bring all your needs before the Lord in prayer. (laughs) Amen. So in chapter 19... You look at verse 14, and Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah picked up the phone and called ten friends to find out what they thought. (laughs) And Hezekiah went on to Facebook, and he started blasting everybody he could. And Hezekiah went on Twitter, and he let them have it. (laughs) And Hezekiah decided he had this thing worked out. And Hezekiah pulled out his American Express, and Hezekiah went and told him exactly what he thought. You know, when you read your Bible, this is not a fictitious story. This is a real man who had real trouble and depended on a real God to help him overcome it. The world in which we live sometimes I don't think is reality. Reality is there is a God. Amen? Amen. And some of the times we look around and we think about this, and I see this, and it says this, and he read it, and Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord. If there's any two things you get out of this entire message, that's it right there. He took it to God, and he spread it before the Lord, and he prayed to the Lord. Those two things. I mean, if there's any one thing we want to do, we want to take it to God. If there's any one thing we want to do, we want to ask God, God, what do I do with this? Oh, and look, I mean, he just praised God. When you read this, he said, look, Lord, he's the creator of the heavens and the earth. Lord, bow down thine ear. He knows who God is, and so do you. He's the God that created the heavens and the earth, and you're asking him to bow down his ear for this slight affliction that I'm going through. And if he can create the heavens and the earth, can he help you with the problem you're dealing with? Enough. Can he fix it? Can he help you walk through it? Listen, we think fixing is it's always just going to go away. How many of you believe that? We believe the fixing of the problem is that it's just going to go away. And sometimes God takes me through that situation and wants to bring me out on the other end because there's no way I'm going to do it on my own. There's no way I'm going to overcome this. There's no way I'm going to answer this, and I have to depend on him. And when I get to the other side, I can't turn around and say, look at what I have done. I have to say, oh, my God, thank you for what you've done for me. That's what he wants. And he deserves the praise, and he deserves the glory, and he deserves the honor. And we can get to the other side, and we can just bow to our knees and say, oh, God, thank you. Because there's no way I was getting through this. Be willing to bring all your needs before the Lord in prayer. Spread it before the Lord. You know, when trouble comes, often the last place we turn to is God. When <laughs> We feel like we can't fix it now. Oh, Lord, I really messed this up now. I done this to try to fix it, and I've done this to try to fix it, and I've done this to try to fix it. Lord, you're my last ditch effort. God, what would you have me to do now? You're my last ditch effort, Lord. Pull me out of this one now. Never thought to talk to him in the beginning. Never thought to bring it to him ahead of time. The first thing King Hezekiah did was turn it over to the Lord and turn it over to the man of God. And so I challenge you with this. What's your battle today? What's your battle today? What are you battling And then, whatever your battle is, are you trying to take care of it? Be honest with yourselves. Listen, you don't have to tell me anything. You just got a relationship with the Lord. If you're saved, you got a relationship with Him. Listen, be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. Lord, I'm trying to fix this on my own apart from you, and I have no ability to do this. I have to count on God. I have to rely upon Him. I have to let Him fix it. What's your battle today? Here's the thing. What is causing you to doubt God in your life right now? What is causing you to doubt God in your life right now? What is causing you to say, "God, I don't think you are able." <laughs> we sing a song. He is able. He is able. How many of you know the song? I know He is able to not fix this problem. <laughs> That's foolish, isn't it? And the reality is is he's capable. He's able. And we've got to turn to Him by faith. The trouble that we face, we never have to face it alone. We can walk with God in our situations. And listen, I tell you, take that trouble to God. Finances, physical illness, wayward children, broken marriages, co-workers. uh, I mean, to, to anything that might be troubling your heart. Right now, at this very moment, you have a God that loves you. And He wants to help you. You know what He's looking for? For the men of this church... To come up before the Lord and say, God, we need your help. We need you, Lord. And by the way, the men in this church ought to stand up. The men in this church ought to pray. The men in this church ought to be coming together saying, Lord, what wilt thou have us to do? What are we doing together as men? How are we praying together as men? Well, I got this preacher. I got it on my own. We need to pray together. What does God want us to do? It can't be, boy, I sure hope the deacons got this one. Boy, I sure hope Brother Duke gets this. Or man, I sure hope Pastor got that one. What are we going to do, men? What are we going to do? We want to see God work, the world, the flesh, and Satan. Well, they're all about idols and false gods, aren't they? Trust in yourself. How many of you have heard that? Just go with your gut. <laughs> How many of you have heard that? Just go with your gut, man. When we go to Emily's uh, gymnastics thing, <laughs> the phrase that's there all the time, and I have to laugh after a while. The girl goes out on the floor to do her gymnastics, and these, this phrase comes out all the time, Dan. You got this. <laughs> you got this. And I watch them sometimes go out there and I'm saying, oh, Lord, please help them. Because they ain't got it. (laughs) They ain't got it. And I love going. And I'm encouraging. I cheer it on. Go. (laughs) They ain't got it sometimes. Sometimes you're like, oh, Lord, help them. (laughs) You know, the thing of it is, if you got it, he doesn't. When I look to God, a lot of people are out there worshiping everything but the living God. You know what? We can begin to worship his people. We can get to the place in our life where we've got a full bank account, maybe more than we need. And we can get that thing filled up and we can sit back and say, well, I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And the Bible says, you fool, your life is required of you when? This day, right? I'll just tear down the barns and build bigger ones. I got a lot of money. (laughs) Sometimes we think we got it because our bank account's full and mortgage may be paid and everything's just just hunky dory. And trouble enters in. You realize that could be gone like that, right? (laughs) A trouble could enter in, it could wipe you out. I mean, the stock market could crash again and your money could be worthless. How many of you remember the stock market crash one time? It's been twice now. <laughs> Sometimes we might say three times. We call it a recession rather than depression today. And right now we think our nation is doing so well because the economy is doing so well. And we're in great shape now. <laughs> I, know, I want you to know there were times when the economy was going well in Israel. And you know what happened when the economy was going Well, they walked away from God. They began to worship idols. They began to seek their own. They began to work with their sealed houses. They began to do everything for themselves and nothing for God. They began to look at what they had and what they were capable of. What I want to challenge you is, is even in good times, turn to the living God. Don't turn to the world philosophies. And believe me, in overcoming trouble, you have to turn to the word of the Lord. You have to kneel and pray to him. I'm going to give you two verses, and I'm done this morning. 2 Corinthians 6.16 says, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. That's in the New Testament. When you got saved, God now indwells you. In this particular case, he's talking about the local church. But the fact is, is he goes on later on and explains this same thing. And he says, listen, the Spirit of the Lord indwells us. What did he challenge them with? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? What hath the temple of God to do with idols? How many of us have idols in our lives? And you say, well, preacher, maybe you do, but I ain't got none. But I'm saying that if the Spirit of the Lord indwells us, we ought to be careful of making sure that we don't have any idols in our lives. And I'm going to leave you with this. When I tell you, no matter what's going on, don't turn it over to the ways of the world. And we can idolize some philosopher in this world. We can idolize uh, someone's philosophy. We can idolize some book writer. We can idolize some pastor. We can idolize some book we've read. We can idolize something. And we're forgetting that we need to lift God up. It can be a myriad of things. And here's what I want to challenge you with as I leave you with this this morning. He told us something over in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And of course, he was dealing with the subject matter of salvation. And he comes down and he said, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and his life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. But when you jump down to verse 14... <laughs> brings up something and this is what he brings up to you and me he said and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will he heareth us yeah and and he goes on to make this statement he says a, 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 and if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him we got it. Look at this passage in verse 20 of chapter 19. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of the God of Israel, That which thou hast prayed to me against Sennacherib king of Assyria, I have heard. It's a good statement, isn't it? He said, I heard you. <laughs> and then I look and I say, You know, take the trouble, the circumstances to God. That's the first place to go with your trouble. Not to my own way of thinking, not to the world, not to anything like that, but to take it to God and spread it before him. And no matter how big the trouble is, I'm going to show you what happened. And he said, I heard you. I want you to know when you're praying, God hears you. Do you hear me? When you're praying, God hears you. He knows whether you have confidence in him or confidence in your prayer. Did you hear what I just said? He knows whether you have confidence in him or confidence in just that you prayed. You see when you pray, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, are you hearing me no. are you are you Are you catching what I'm saying? We've got to go to him and believe that he is and he's the rewarder of them that diligently what? Seek him. He's there for us. Because without faith, it is impossible to do what? I can't please him without faith. I must believe that he is and he's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Chapter 19, look at verse 34. For I will defend this city to save it for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians and hundred, fourscore, and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all, they were all, 185,000 people died that night. 185,000 people dropped dead. (laughs) Now, if God can take care of Hezekiah's problem with an army, can he help you? Can he take care of your situation for you? You see what he says here. So Senechorib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt in Nineveh. And it came to pass, as he was worshipping in the house of Nishra, his god, that Adrammelech and Sherezer, his son, smote him with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Armenia. And Eshadan, his son, reigned in his stead. Now, I want to tell you something. Did Hezekiah not, or did not Isaiah tell him that? (laughs) He says he's going to fall by his own sword. Go back and read, and you'll see that that happened. Now, here's the challenge to you this morning. How many of you men believe that God wants people to be saved? How many of you men in this church really want to pray and ask God to do something? I have no power but that of God. We've got 30 prospects. Nine have already said that they got saved. We need to go reach these people. I can't do it. I can go visit with them. I can go knock on their door. I can invite them. But you know what's going to make the difference? If we as men come together and pray to our God about what he's going to do and give us the power to accomplish his will according to his word. (laughs) That's how it's going to make a difference. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.